0: Hey, what's up? How about this listeners? And welcome to a new episode of How About This, where this time Jordan and I take a trip to the danger room where we talk about the X-Men. Hey, what's up? How about this listeners? And welcome back. It's season two. of How about this? And we have a very mutated episode to talk about today. And I think we're covering a property that many of we 90s kids have grown up with and love and something that nobody has any strong opinions about And I will.
1: (laughs) Don't go in there, Wolverine.
0: (laughs) But he's furry. He's blue. He's upside down and doing science. And quoting Shakespeare, it's Mr. Jordan Hugh.
1: And he's a short little Canadian with a metal skeleton, Mike Stout.
0: That's right, because we are talking about the X Men today. (laughs) And the X Men. I feel we, we said this a little bit on our last episode uh, where we... Ta- I'm sorry, the episode before that where we talked about Batman. We said that for Batman fans, like for us, it was, we grew up with probably the best time to get into Batman, one of the best times to get into Batman. And I feel like that's almost doubly true about when we grew up in regards to the X-Men. For those of you who have been living under a rock for the last 70 years or whatever, the X-Men are a or 60 years i guess at this point right uh the x-men are a comic book superhero team they are the most unique superhero team ever uh, they are made of mutants are they that's are what, they? i think that was like the the moniker that they gave them are they i don't think they're that weird some of them are some of them are but those usually end up being the morlocks and they're a team of superheroes who get their powers at adolescence because of a gene that they have that mutates their DNA so that they have these ridiculous powers. And obviously, you know, some of the most famous X Men of all time Wolverine, Cyclops, Gene Grey, Storm, Colossus, Iceman, the Beast, Deadpool, you know, Cable. These are characters that have become kind of mainstays within comic books Deadpool has obviously expanded far beyond every form of media for Marvel at this point I feel like Deadpool I I feel like a lot of times people almost almost kind of forget that Deadpool is at least tied to the X-Men in some way shape or form and he's kind of like on his own he's his own thing but the X-Men films have been coming out now for for 22 years we've had 22 years of X-Men movies most of them are Jesus (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I've never heard it put like that before. It's right.
0: True. 22 years of X-Men movies, and most of them are, are, are mm, kind of yeah. rough. We're getting e- old, buddy. I know we are getting old. We're getting old fast because I remember seeing X-Men when it came out with you in the theater.
1: Was that like 2000?
0: 2000. It was July 14th of 2000 is when X-Men came out. If we, if yeah. we didn't see it on opening night, we saw it the next weekend at, no, the, Broadway, right. yeah. at the Broadway Mall movie theater. We and we were not expecting to like it. And we ended up leaving X-Men, enjoying it quite a bit. The movie's the movie's a little dated now, but it is. It is dated. It it definitely has some weaknesses in it now. It's definitely not as good as it was when it first came out, especially since the Marvel kind of formula for things kind of changed how superhero movies are made. X-Men was still made in that pre-Marvel cinematic universe vibe of hey, they can't totally look like the characters, but they can kind of look like the characters. And they subbed out the costumes for black leather. And they actually even make a joke about yellow spandex in the movie. But before we get too far into the film franchise and these, I believe it's, oh, geez, it's like 13 movies if we include Deadpool and the the Wolverine movies. It's, you know, there's three X-Men movies in the original series. There's three Wolverine movies. So that's six. Then there's four prequel x-men movies which is 10 two deadpool movies and the new mutants so there's 13 x-men movies
1: we should address this right at the top of the episode that this is probably just the first chop at the x-men tree Mm -hmm. because this is an enormous property Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's huge it's i can hardly think of a bigger marvel property other than the avengers uh and we are just doing an initial conversation about this with some initial pitches We've had many, many friends contact us and be like, I would love to talk about the X. We will get you on for an X-Men episode someday. This is just the this is the first chop at the X-Men cherry tree.
0: Batman, Spider Man, Superman, X-Men, the Avengers. These are properties that definitely deserve more than yeah, one episode we'll,
1: we'll revisit in fact we've done more than one batman at this point yes. if, if listeners want to go back and listen to batman 2 batman <laughs> or whatever. part 2 yeah so you'll you'll hear more x-men after this this is not like oh they did a fucking shitty job with the x-men this will be like part of an unofficial series that is not uh for sure in sequence you know? oh
0: for sure for sure we will visit the x-men multiple times, especially because one of us will probably get an idea at some point to do something with an X-Men I'm film sure. franchise. So as we always start this off, what's your what's your experience with the X men It's probably identical to mine, but let's let's talk.
1: Yeah, I feel like we've had a few conversations that all seem to lead with this, which was I think I'm not sure if I saw the animated series first or if I got some toys first because occasionally my mom would just buy me some toys. And be like, oh yeah, he'd like Wolverine. Because I remember the first Wolverine I had, the toy, wasn't the animated series Wolverine. He was like mustard yellow and brown, and he had like a black mask and like these chunky looking metal claws. And I think he had catchphrases and and it was not the stuff from the show. And I got to know who Wolverine was first. And Wolverine was such a huge character in the early nineties that like you you couldn't avoid him. So, like, even as a, a small kid, small kid. I knew who Wolverine was. So that animated series was obviously going on. I got right into that. And that show was huge. Like that was one of the things you played on the playground was like, which X-Men character are you? And you would go out there with your friends and you'd pretend to, you know, be clawing people or blasting them with optic blasts or whatever. So X-Men, because of the animated series, absolutely a core childhood memory for me in terms of TV. And then when I started collecting comics, I, of course, started like you with Spider-Man And those X-Men characters would frequently cross over. And the coolest art around at the time when I started collecting comics, which was like 93-ish, was the Todd McFarlane stuff. And McFarlane famously had crossed over, you know, quite a few X-Men characters and he'd done some stuff with Wolverine. And it it was just very much in the scope of my awareness. So the X-Men were a big deal for me right away. And then, of course, like like you just said, man, as we were coming up through middle school, suddenly it was like, oh, my God, they're going to make an X-Men movie And it ended up being pretty good, obviously. So it was a big part of my youth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Totally, uh, totally with you there. So I believe, like you, my first experience with the X-Men were toys, actually. Toy Biz famously had an X-Men line of toys that came out in, I want to say, like 1991. Right. So we were like five and six years old. Yeah, we were little, yeah. we were little and they were they were, came out in around 1991. I remember that Wolverine you had. I had one. My brother had one. He would have these claws that you could load in at the base of his right, forearms right. that would mm-hmm. pop out and they were on springs. And, uh, you know, when you it, he, when he would break, the springs would go flying. He had a little mask that you can like put on his head and take off. And he was just regular Wolverine under that. And he came with a sword.
1: There was a Weapon X toy too, right? Where it was basically naked Wolverine.
0: Yeah, that was later on. So they would do those in series, and there was I had that guy too, like,
1: which was kind of weird.
0: Oh yeah, and they would they would spin <laughs> these series out like one after the other, and I think each like run of the figures typically had like six or maybe six six, six, six characters. So like in the first run, it was like Wolverine, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Cyclops, and Storm and maybe one or two other people, Magneto and maybe one mother person and Juggernaut. So that was like the first run. And then the second run, they would bring in different villains. That was when they had Wolverine two, who was the Wolverine that had the classic orange and I'm sorry, classic yellow and blue outfit From right, that I, we. Yeah. yeah. I never had that one. Oh, yeah. you never had that one. And then I never
1: had a traditional Wolverine. I never did. I had a weird weapon X one. And I had that like mustard, yellow, brown Wolverine. I never had traditional Wolverine.
0: The stab house is a big Wolverine house. So we had every Wolverine. Oh, this, this I know. This I know. So we had every Wolverine and that was like one of the things it's like every set, every set of X-Men figures they would release, it would release it with a different Wolverine and it was great. But that was like my first experience. And then I remember learning about the X-Men a little bit from I had to have been older kids or like an older family member about the X-Men and the toys and how they were comic book characters and they were Marvel, they were somehow tied to Spider-Man. And I remember getting we would get previews about the X-Men animated series that would eventually release in the, at the end of 1992. Hmm. But in 1991, I went to the Scholastic Book Fair at my school. And for those of you who know what the Scholastic Book Fair is, it's probably one of the coolest days or few days of oh, yeah, the year. It,
1: it, it rules.
0: <laughs> for, for a kid. And you would go there and you would buy books. Like, uh, goosebumps are always really big. But one, one year, and I believe it was 1991, so that means we must have been in first grade, I remember Mm -hmm. going to the Scholastic Book Fair or I would like or I had to like write into like troll books and they would send the things in. You would pick them up. But they had VHS tapes and VHS tape that they had that pretty much the whole class bought because we were so excited for the X-Men cartoon was Pride of the X-Men from Marvel Video. And it was a 1989 pilot that was produced by Marvel and animated by Toei Animation. And for those of you who know who Toei is, they ended up doing Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon. They were the animation studio behind that. And it was Pride of the X-Men. It was about Kitty Pride joining the X-Men. And Wolverine had his mustard yellow and brown costume on. And Cyclops had, it was the 80s style X-Men, the 80s Chris Claremont era style X-Men, except Storm didn't have the Mohawk. And okay. it was, the team was Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Cyclops, Storm, Colossus, and Dazzler. And it was just a really good like 40 minute X-Men adventure that never made it to full series because eventually they would they would do the Saban X-Men, which we all know very well from Fox Kids. Right. And this is the basis for the X-Men arcade game. Mm-hmm. So when the X-Men arcade game originally would, would come out later on, I believe in 1992 or three it was based off Pride of the X-Men, to where a lot of the times the, the X-Men arcade game is actually referred to as Pride of the X-Men. Oh,
1: okay. And
0: that style is the same exact style they use in it Pride looks, of the looks, X-Men. It
1: looks great, yeah. It look,
0: yeah, it's a great looking game. And that was that was really my first, and obviously the cartoon came out and just kind of changed everything. You know, the cartoon was like hand in hand with Batman. It was like you had these great cartoons going on in the early 1990s about these kind of at this point, like legacy comic book characters. And it's really special. They were really special. And we grew up at a really good time. We had the toys. We had the comic books. The comic books were blowing up. The X-Men comic books were gigantic in 1992 and 1993 because of the whole Jim Lee run uh, on X-Men books. And then that would, you know, like you said, Tom McFarlane did some stuff with some of these X-Men characters famously. I believe there's an issue of The Incredible Hulk where Wolverine's on the cover. He did a really cool Wolverine. And you know, Spider-Man and Wolverine crossed over with uh, with Todd McFarlane's run on Spider-Man. So there's so much stuff that was going on at this point in time, and and the X-Men were kind of everywhere. So, do you have a favorite?
1: Yeah, I was going to say we should do like a little, almost like a feature of just like who who are you guys,
0: yeah, who are you who, guys, who are you guys. Well, do you have a favorite, Jordan? Who 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 are you guys?
1: You know, this is this is a hard question. I I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to sound like a jerk. I, the X-Men were never my favorite is the thing. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I never collected the comics. I had a few because of course I did. They're not my favorite. So picking a favorite X-Men character for me is kind of weird because I'm almost faking it. And my answer is ultimately strange. My favorite X-Men character isn't on the team. It's Magneto. Yeah. Magneto is my favorite character, mostly because I think he's one of the greatest villains in comics uh, from any label. He might be the best villain in Marvel. It's it's really either him or Dr. Doom. And a lot of the times you kind of agree with Magneto. You certainly agree with his plight, even if you don't agree with his methods for dealing with the struggles of his people. He has such a compelling backstory. He's such a great, eloquent, I would say Shakespearean character. And you really live for that struggle between Professor X and his ideology, his dream, and and Magneto's, you know, ruthless methods that oppose that that dream. And that that to me is the core of that book and why you read that book. But if we're talking about just like, oh, the characters and and whose I think nightcrawler rules. I love him. I think he's got a great look. I like that he's, you know, kind of mystical adjacent is really cool. I love Magic, who is a of course a later character. And I, I so, so appreciate the character of Colossus, who I think has just this wonderful heart. And I think actually has typically been done very well. Like even in the new Deadpool movies, like they he's still awesome. kind of kind of still got Colossus right, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's a funny answer. My favorite characters are the villains. I love Magneto and, and Juggernaut, I think, is, is an awesome <laughs> character with a great, great look. So funny enough, I did not pick Wolverine or Storm or any of the people I think a lot of other people would have picked, but they're all great characters. I do have a couple of X-Men that I aggressively dislike, but we can save that for another segment. Who are you, who are you guys, Mike? Who are you guys?
0: Oh, my guys. Who are well, guys? I will say this much. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm real basic when it comes to my X-Men fandom. I've always been a big Wolverine guy. I've always been a big Wolverine I mean, fan yeah, since I, mean, I was a yeah. kid. Since I was a kid, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Wolverine. I I love I love Iceman just because he would always hang around with Spider Man. Right, and, he
1: was part of that little three person yeah, team. Yeah, 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 Him and Firestar, right? Yeah.
0: Well, that was on the cartoon. Yeah. Uh, the, so Firestar was created. I I love both Iceman and Firestar, and Firestar was created for Spider Man and his amazing friends. Okay. Because instead of there was some weird stuff going on with the Fantastic Four where they didn't want to put the, the human torch on anything because he was uh, he was a person who was on fire and they didn't want kids to set themselves on fire to oh, be like Jesus. the human torch. And I'm not sure that's why Firestar got created so that I think the the team probably was supposed to be human torch, Spider-Man and Iceman. Oh, right. And Torch which,
1: is frequently in Spider-Man books. So. Oh, yeah.
0: Almost always. A human Torch and Spider-Man are, are best buds as are Iceman and Spider-Man. But Firestar is also great. I love Firestar, so I wouldn't want them to take that away. But she was created for the cartoon and then brought into the book similar, similarly okay. to Harley Quinn and Spider Woman. And but Iceman's always been a big I've always been a big fan of Iceman and and Wolverine. I do also love Nightcrawler and Colossus. Like any of those 80s, Chris Claremont 80s yeah, X-Men great. are so good. Are so good. You know, when you have Storm with the Morlocks, where she's got her her punk rock punk rock mohawk, or you've got, you know, Colossus or, or 80s Wolverine. It's just, I love all those Cyclops where he's got the the hair covering and the yellow visor. Uh, Those are just the the best, the best, just the best designs. In my opinion, those John Byrne uh, designs are so good. And, you know, Gene Grey dies a lot, but if I have to go with anyone, it's usually Wolverine and Iceman. I do also really love the Beast. I love the beast. I think he's this a great is cool.
1: Character. I, I prefer Blue Beast, not, yes. not cat blue beast. No. Ape just beast. Regular beast blue beast. Yes. Um, who are the characters that you dislike that are frequently around?
0: You know, I have to think. Angel gets on my nerves sometimes.
1: I don't like Angel, but I, I love Archangel. Love Archangel. That's what a what a cool turn.
0: Yeah, Archangel is is great. Angel when he's Angel is meh. I'm trying to think of what other characters in the X-Men that I like aggressively don't like because so many of them I like. I'm
1: going to get the listeners to yell at me right now. Do you know who I dislike strongly? Who? And these three characters have just everything in common. Gambit. Yep. Cable and Deadpool. Yeah. I don't like those fucking characters. I mean, I appreciate what Deadpool stands for and I enjoy those movies. And I think Ryan Reynolds rules and I have a great time with them. But in comics... Those characters are a lot and they're very annoying and all their stories just seem to be, I don't know, kind of edgy for no reason. I'm being very reductive and clearly I'm not an X-Men expert, uh-huh. but um, it- it's, it's that whole too many pockets, edgelord blood and guts thing going on. And then also Gambit seems to be a character just created for the sake of being cool, which sucks.
0: Yeah, that is a real edgelord mentality, I think, with that character. I, I think a lot of times it's just like, oh, well, Gambit's so cool. It's like, you're right. It's like he's written because just to be cool. It's like, dude yeah. can charge anything he wants. He decides to charge playing cards that are useless.
1: Right. The least aerodynamic things you could think of.
0: He's also terrible in most of the video games. So, you know, what right. can you yeah.
1: do? I don't know. It's just like, if I look at the design of Gambit, even updated designs of Gambit, it's always just like, well,
0: let's...
1: He looks like a City of Heroes character, something like that, like something that a kid designed. Like he's got playing card imagery, and you know the way his hair swoops, and the glowing eyes, and the finger gloves, and the trench coat. It's like, oh my god! Just you know, at that point, I'll take Cyclops, the least cool character. Yeah, Cyclops is
0: is by far the character that most people probably don't like. (laughs) Right, I appreciate him. I do appreciate Cyclops because he's a character that needs to exist. He's literally you need, you the leader. Need him. You he's, need Cyclops. He is the leader of a ragtag group of teenage superheroes. So yeah, of course he's got to be a jerk. Like how yeah. are you else going to keep them in line?
1: He's also, I, I, to me at least, he's he's the most iconic in appearance. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, of the originals, certainly. But I think even once you add Wolverine, who by all means is the star of the show, you you need at minimum, like like I would say like those two and Storm and Beasts are, yep. are like the characters. I'm like, well, those are the X-Men and Gene, and yeah. Jean, Jean and, in some form,
0: some form or another, whether and she's the, Phoenix, and Professor X. Yeah. yeah, whether she's Phoenix or Marvel Girl or whatever, you kind of need those characters. And you got a lot of fans who call for a lot of different characters that have come in over the years. But I feel like a lot of those characters are less essential. Uh, oh, for I sure. think
1: we all have our pet characters that we know are not core members of the team yeah. that we just enjoy. Like I know magic is not necessary at all, but I like having her around, you know?
0: Oh, I love magic. I think magic is great. Uh, I'm just upset that that new mutants movie was that bad because I think that, that was
1: disappointing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I, you know, I think you could do the new mutants really well in this day and age, but you have to make them like, I don't want to say X-Men junior, but you want to capture some of that like teen Titans energy. You do. I- but so yeah so the X-Men have been around for a long time there's a ton of of material there's like three or four comic book series i mean cartoon series there's 13 movies there's you name it so do you have a favorite X-Men thing
1: a favorite X-Men thing i mean it's uh, are you allowed to say the comics <laughs> i mean yeah X-Men have had some of the greatest stories in like the last, I don't know, 20 or 30 years. I think, you know, I I always go back and still read issues of House of M and I'm like, this is such a cool idea. So good. Um, so good. I think House of M rules. It's a shame that we can never really do House of M really just because the way the MCU is constructed, it would have to be really, really different. But I'm sure they'll borrow some elements and make it cool.
0: I feel like with Multiverse of Madness, we're going to yes. really start to see... The power of Scarlet Witch, whether or not she's a mutant or not, which I think they might retcon that. Um, But obviously in Multiverse of Madness, Professor X is in the movie. Who knows which Um, version of Professor X, but a Professor X variant is definitely in that movie.
1: Sure. My favorite X-Men movies that have actually been, it's sort of a tie. I really, really like Days of Future Past. Yes. I think was just good. I like how it was done. It was clever. It was fun. I famously enjoy how Quicksilver is done in that movie. And then Logan, I thought Logan was beautiful.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh for me, you know, my favorite stuff with the X-Meners, I'm always going to go to the video games. Uh X-Men versus Street Fighter is so good. X-Men yeah. X-Men Children of the Atom is good. I even like the X-Men Legends games. In terms of comic books, yeah, House of M is like unbelievably good, but what's also really good in the comic books if you want to get the trade paperback for it is Messiah Complex. Mm, Messiah right. Complex is Really good, and you don't really need to read a lot around it uh, to make it make sense. It puts it in order for you, it goes across like every X book at the time, so it's like a Mm -hmm. whole bunch of books. And then, obviously, the best X Men stories of all time Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past, things like that. In terms of movies, I like you, love Days of Future Past. I really do. I like Logan a whole lot. I'm a sucker for The Wolverine. We (laughs) could talk about that another time. I actually think The Wolverine, 90% of that movie, I think is great. And 10% of it, like, draw, drops the quality of the movie down to, like, a C, where it probably could have been a solid B, B+, if they just, like, didn't do the ending the way they did it. And unfortunately, a lot of the X-Men movies otherwise aren't great. So what do you think they typically get wrong with the X-Men?
1: I don't know if get wrong is where I'm at. I, okay. Well, no, no, I, I, I'm not invalidating your question. I think it's a totally valid question. I, I don't none of these movies for the X-Men have been a, a complete home run and yeah. they're dealing with home run characters. So you think that they should get one, right? Well, I think part of it is that they don't know who the main character is and they kind of keep making it Wolverine, but he's not a great main character because he's a very look, he's, a, he's an amazing character, but he's a bad main character because he's very self-involved. Yes. And he's a team player begrudgingly. So, so it would almost be nice to see him more in the periphery instead of always placing him like front and center. They've tried to do that with like the newer X-Men movies, but they haven't really done it compellingly so. I think it could be argued, right? Uh, though yeah. I have to say, I, I, think, I think First Class and the other films are... They're fine. They're, yeah. they're better than people have given them credit for. They're just they're still not good. And the stories that they ultimately tell with their main characters who are typically Cyclops and Gene... Is kind of samey and really not that interesting, at least in the way that they have presented it. I'll fix it in my pitch, but I, I think the story that is interesting is the story of the plight of these people. Yeah. Um, and you need to be able to tell that from the perspective of someone who's essentially trying to live a normal life and not succeeding at it. That's why we get so close to succeeding. In those early X-Men movies with the rogue character, because Anna Paquin does a great job, but ultimately those movies become really, really not about her. So you have all this compassion for this character, but then it becomes like, well, we're just going to do tough guy Wolverine because he's so interesting. But Wolverine really is a universe unto himself. He'll have his own episode of How About This. Of course. Um, And that's the comics are able to do that really well because they can just pull him out very easily and be like, okay, Wolverine's in his own series and he's going to come fight with the X-Men also as a supporting character. But movies, just by the nature of film, have to be like, well, who's our focal character? And every time you make it Wolverine, you just you detract so much from everyone else. Thus, uh, characters like Cyclops, and the Professor, et cetera, never really have gotten their due on screen when they're with him.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like when and I know this is kind of weird and it's a parallel comparison, but it's kind of like when they talk to the folks over at Disney when they made Wreck-It Ralph. And they made Wreck-It Ralph and they're like, oh, so are you going to put Mario in the movie? And their response is like, the second you put him in the movie, the movie's about him. You can't make it about, you can't distract away from it. Same thing with Wolverine. And as someone who loves Wolverine, like I love Wolverine, the second you put Wolverine in a movie, it's a Wolverine movie, because what do people want to see on screen is they want to see Wolverine tear people in half and and do that stuff. And like you said, he's not the best team player. Like he kind of learns it in the comics later on, but he's not the best team player. And ultimately, he is such an isolated character most of the time that it takes a very particular writer to write Wolverine well to have him fit in on a team. And he's, yeah. you know, it's it's hard to tell a guy who's unkillable for the most part what to do. Yeah. Like, how does he respond to a Cyclops who's younger than him, less experienced than him? And, you know, Cyclops is like, hey, I need you to do this. And his response is like, no, I'm not going to do that because I don't right. want to. So uh, it-
1: he, he's got the same problem like when you have Batman on the Justice League. Yep. You know yep. I mean? the, the reader, unless they are reading for one character in particular, you know, like they're a huge, I don't know, Green Lantern fan or something like that. The reader automatically always gravitates towards Batman because he's so different and he's so lonely and tough and clearly has interesting things going on inside of him. And it's the same thing with Wolverine. It's just like you're reading this book and you're like, oh, who's this guy? I only want to know about him. It just yep. it pulls too much.
0: There's a reason why he has had Wolverine has had so many spin-off series as a comic book and how there are issues upon issues and dozens and dozens of issues of Wolverine comic books out there and not the same for every other X-Men it's not like Cyclops has a whole bunch of series you know no,
1: it's not to that degree at all yeah no, of course no
0: I mean you get some of the other X-Men get their stuff but nothing like Wolverine has so yeah I no think, I, think th- you're, I think you're right.
1: right I think there's I think there's One level of interest for most of the characters, and then Wolverine is just much, much more interesting. So, it's I would almost eliminate him, frankly, or yeah, try to use him in such a special way where it's just like, let's have one scene where we go recruit him and then he's in the fight and that's it, unless it's his movie.
0: Yeah, no, I agree completely. And as much as I love Wolverine, I think that some I think it's time for the X Men movies to maybe take a little break from him. You can introduce him into the MCU if you'd like to, because he's a great character to have. It's the same thing with Deadpool. Like, I don't know if I want Deadpool in the middle of an X-Men team at this point in the movies, because it's like he's going to distract <laughs> right. from everything else going on.
1: Right. It has to be about him. Yeah. It has
0: to be. It has to be about those characters where the X-Men, to me, has always been about the team. And it should be kind of like this controlled chaos going on in a world that they have to protect that hates them. And I think that's yeah, the most yeah. important aspect of the of the X-Men.
1: You're so right. That's, exa- that's what makes these stories work. And that's uh, what I think the newer films lost sight of a bit, because they were... They were good in that they weren't centered on Wolverine. He's not in them, but they're bad in that the essentialness of these characters as people who are on the fringes of society, it's not really told in a way that's compelling. I guess I'm being highfalutin, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm being really pretentious and saying that the new, the new movies just aren't good. They didn't yeah. write good enough scripts no. to support the
0: characters, you know? No, no, you're right. You're 100% right. And spoilers for the Batman I feel like the Batman does a good job of this where by the end of the movie, people start to recognize Batman as a savior when at the beginning of the movie, they recognize him as a freak. You know, you literally have cops calling him a freak in the beginning of the movie. And then by the end of the movie, like, oh no, Batman actually has our back. And I think that's something that you can do with the X-Men to, to make those, those movies really good, to have that human element where they can connect. And yeah. I think that's important because there are these super powered people, but they're still even within the Marvel Universe in the comic books, they're still considered freaks, even though they have the same powers that uh, so many other characters have. But I think it's pitch time. If you're ready, are you ready to go? Well,
1: I think I have two things to oh. discuss before we get to pitches. The sure. first is that you had to bring up the Batman. So I guess this is my official apology. Time. Oh,
0: I didn't mean to. I didn't do that on purpose. Well, this is the
1: first time we've brought up the Batman since we've both seen the Batman. Yes. Um, Yes. Famously, we opened this show, episode one, with me shitting all over like Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves in this movie. Uh, I just want to state for the record, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. It's an X-Men episode, but um, the Batman was great. I was totally wrong. I think it had really bad promotional material that misled me into thinking it was a different kind of movie. It was totally enjoyable. Everyone should see it. I loved it. I'm a huge Batman fan, and coming from a huge Batman fan, I felt proud. I thought they did a great job, and I can't wait for the sequel.
0: Yeah, you know what? Sometimes we got to live and die by the sword, right? So if we're right. if we're if we're willing to go out there on a limb and 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 take shots at something before it comes out, because based on what we've seen, like they, we, these were educated guesses based on observations. This wasn't just us going, right. ah, it's garbage. But no, nah, you know, uh, we got it wrong, but that's fine. We got it wrong. We got it that's, wrong that's and we're fine. big enough
1: to admit it.
0: We got it so wrong. The Batman I apologize. was.
1: Robert Pattinson, you fucking rule. You're the best since Keaton. I think you're the man. And the Batman was fucking great.
0: And Jordan said it here first, folks. The Batman is great. Go see it and uh, support it because I would like to see what they do next. And you said you had two things you needed to bring up.
1: Well, the second thing I want to bring up is a little bit heavy, but I think it's, oh, okay. it's part of the meat and potatoes of this tackling this topic. Yeah. We are living in a time of heightened awareness in terms of identity.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: And that could be race identity, it could be sexual and gender identity. The X Men is probably the property that is the most fraught with those kinds of issues because, and this is part of the beauty of the X Men, the X Men have always been champions for marginalized groups.
0: Yeah. Always. Always. Um, it's been a part always. of it since the beginning.
1: Exactly. Um, so since its inception, whether it was a parallel for civil rights or a parallel for gay rights, and now more recently, kind of a parallel for LGBTQ rights, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it does make casting these films or deciding what the focal point should be a little difficult because, uh, and you'll see this as we get into pitches, it's kind of like you have to ask some really delicate questions um, and you're concerned with well, how on the nose do you want to be? Yeah, you know. And folks can Google at any time, you know, parallel figures to Charles Xavier and Magneto, and come across you know different civil rights movement leaders. Yeah, uh, or honestly, historical figures going way back into American politics since the 19th century, and those ideologies have shifted and have reconformed to be part of different philosophies. It's just. I want to kind of get out ahead of it. We don't mean to offend anybody uh, in like the X-Men fandom. Uh, like we, Mike and I both love and respect the X-Men for the fact that it tries its hardest to be like, we are the heroes in the society that does not necessarily accept us. And maybe in doing good, we will find ex- the acceptance that we should already have. Do you know what I mean? It's it's um It, it can be tough to talk about that because unlike talking about something like, I don't know Spider Man or something like that. The X Men has always felt like socially, culturally important in a way yeah. that other books don't.
0: Yeah, you know, you're right, and and it's the X Men as a series that will comment on that uh, because because that is so important for the for those aspects of, of our culture. And I think you said it beautifully. Yeah, we don't mean to upset any X Men fans, but the X Men really have to tackle those issues. Uh, it's part of right. what the what they're about, you know.
1: Yeah. So, so I know that, you know, we're all probably plugged into the same rumor community where they're like, oh, you know, maybe they will look at some black actors or actors of color to play uh, Magneto and yeah. Professor X and, and all those people. But, you know, it, it becomes difficult also because, you know, it, it becomes like you don't want to get a confused message out there like, oh, are you saying people of color are mutants or something like that? Uh, you know, I, I just don't want to get into our pitches and you're like, oh, what do, what do these people really think about these groups or something like that? I, I just mean to say, we recognize that the X-Men are supposed to represent marginalized groups. And, you know, I, I, I think we're looking forward to what the real casting is, regardless of, of who is cast. For sure. Um, but we don't know what direction they're going to go in. And I think, I think that's going to be really interesting to see. What I'm trying to say is, it's like the most hot button... Casting issue is like, okay, if we recast Magneto, uh, you know, and he is not someone who is of like Jewish ancestry, right? Are we negating his Holocaust experience, right? Yeah. yeah. Or if we are not sensitive to how we handle the material, are we even accidentally um, disrespecting someone else's story that was kind of told in a prior X-Men book? X-Men has always been on the bleeding edge of trying to tell the stories of marginalized people, but telling it through the medium of science fiction comic books. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it can be tricky to talk about.
0: Oh, absolutely. I agree. I agree fully. And uh, we're going to do our best in our pitches here Yeah, to to be good for that. So do you want to do you want to lead the way? I'll lead. I have um, I have a pitch that is it's not a fully formed
1: pitch, and I think That's it's fine. been talked about a lot, but I'm going to.
0: Let's go for lob, it. Dude. Lob it out
1: there anyway. Lo- so, Lob it out. How about this? Let's go, bub. So I'm pitching a, a television series that I, I assume would have to be a Disney Plus series since that is the home of Marvel at the present time. <laughs> this would be uh, an X-Men show, uh, live action, that is centered around daily life at Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters. Love it. But it is set in the sort of late age of the X-Men, meaning your favorite X-Men, Cyclops, Gene, and Friends are all older. Yeah. They are all people who are middle-aged. Yeah. Um, and their careers have already seen their heyday. Uh, not that they're retired, but like X-Men active duty isn't really a thing right now. Because of the state of the MCU currently, I don't know if this c- could even be canon. I guess I'm talking about I don't know, almost like a, uh, uh, another fragmented Elseworlds story. Yeah. Uh, but it, it would presuppose that, listen, all the MCU characters are real. They're out there. They happen, but, uh, mutants are not generally accepted. Uh, people are afraid that their son or daughter are going to be a mutant. People often exile these kids, uh, or treat them poorly or whatever. And Xavier and friends come in and scoop them up basically. This is why it becomes difficult to talk about, because if you think of mutation as uh, being a person of color or being a person who is LGBTQ or something like that, it sounds like I'm being mean (laughs) to that community. I'm trying to tell I'm trying to tell tell the mutant story.
0: Yes. You know what I mean?
1: These these kids are generally not accepted by society. They feel safe, particularly in this one school and in affiliated schools and this show is is basically the daily life in that school. Part of what I always enjoyed about those early movies, the uh, you know, the Brian Singer films, the 2000s X-Men was like the scenes that you would see in school were actually really interesting. Oh, they're like, great. Like, I wish I could see more of that because essentially what you have is Xavier's Institute is like Marvel Comics Hogwarts. Yeah. And I want a show that just does that. Now I'm not saying that like the show will have you like attending classes and stuff like that, but you would see more of that. And your favorite X-Men would all still be around in academia. So you would have Storm. You would have Beast. I would want to include all, all those characters. The character I don't want to include is Xavier. At this point, the old boy has kicked off. He's gone. Xavier <laughs> died, uh, I, I think, naturally. I think he, he just he, he died. And the school goes on uh in his in his in that vision in his way i think uh the headmistress of the school is storm uh headmistress monroe in this case right she's a a great character lead us i think jean is gone and i think jean is gone because we want to allude to the fact that the history with her character has been really complicated to this point and the students can learn more about her as as time goes on but everyone else is on the faculty cyclops is there cyclops is also The active X-Men member, meaning he's still doing it. He's like the school's military face that is still going on, even though the X-Men are not a super active team at the moment. They're still consulted. Okay, so, you know, I want uh, students in this school and the storyline of this show to deal with the ongoing efforts of certain politicians to try to curb mutation. Uh, Because those are the most compelling characters to me from the comics, Um, whether it's like a Senator Kelly type character or really more close to the Friends of Humanity characters from the comics. Um, Those were really good stories. And it was because those groups are so similar to... Uh, I don't know certain hate groups that we have in this country. I'm even hesitant to name like yeah. affiliate groups, but like you get it, folks that yes. really target marginalized people and like, but are represented in politics and and fighting against those people. Here's essentially the plot of the show, and I I don't have fine details for all the characters, but essentially they are attending school like our our main cast of mutant characters who are a really diverse group with a really cool range of powers. Um, They're learning from some of the favorite X-Men just to get the intrigue for uh, the audience. Like, hey, what's what's this all about? The horror of what's going on in American politics at the time, people trying to have mutation cured, uh, trying to round up all the mutant kids, you know, all that stuff. That's what's going on. That is what the people at Xavier's Institute are protected from. So they are aware that their government, the population of America, does not really accept them because they fear they may become them someday. But there is this underground recruiting element that we just refer to as M, right? And any comic book creator already knows who M is. Of course, M relates usually specifically to Magneto and anything to do with him, right? So even amidst this newer Xavier's Institute with older X-Men, M is still recruiting from the school and getting in students' minds that, hey, maybe you shouldn't be like sitting in your luxury university suite at the school. Maybe you should come out and be trying to do something. Um, so I have the brotherhood uh, sort of reimagined as like a fringe, I would say almost like a punk rock, yeah, uh, kind of styled thing where they are anarchists, right? Yeah. and they are trying to uh, riot and protest and demonstrate, but also really do some fucked up shit to uh, shake uh, certain American values relating to you know what's going on with with mutation. And I want it very much to still be run by Magneto. Even though Xavier has died and his dream lives on, Magneto, almost like a Voldemort type character, right? He's unwilling to die because while Xavier had a peaceful death and and believed in the power of his dream to live on, Magneto actually believes he has to be the one to be alive to push his agenda. So I'm going full rejuvenation on this. That device is absolutely in this story. He keeps making himself more and more youthful, even though time has taken a toll. I'm also unwilling to give up Magneto's Holocaust story because I think it's I think it's one of the best stories in comics and I don't want to get rid of it. Uh, I want to, in fact, honor it. I think that that really motivates him in a way that nothing else can. And I, I think he's he's recruiting and he's letting certain characters run what is essentially the new brotherhood, which is a name I'm I'm sort of readapting for this purpose. So that's the initial, the initial conflict is. Uh oh! There's this you know group surreptitiously recruiting students from Xavier's Institute, potentially putting them in danger and putting them up against the government. And that is when the government uh, begins to reinstitute a kind of sentinel program. So what I get to do is I get to retell three good stories at once through the lens of a new television show that has the intrigue played out over the course of a season instead of one film. So yeah. I can be really fun and I can have these really cute kids getting into just basically high school hijinks while trying to figure out their powers. And it could be very Harry Potter-esque and be wonderful. But then also you get more and more cinematic as worse and worse things begin happening outside the school until they are lured outside of it. Initially characters are tempted by the brotherhood and join the brotherhood and the government retaliates by essentially bringing the Sentinels back to life. So you end your first season with just like, Oh my God. Friends of humanity are influential enough in government to have essentially reinstituted Sentinels. And then you have uh, that program back up and running because more than anything from the X-Men comics, the animated show, the video game or whatever, the thing that scares me the most is the Sentinels aren't mutants. That's a human invention. That's the human response to mutants is like, well, just kill all of them. Yeah. Right. Which activates both Xavier in trying to stop them and trying to teach humans tolerance. Right. Right but also activates Magneto into being like, see, look what they did. Yeah. I think that's a really good story to tell that's really still valuable. And I'm insistent, and even though I didn't design new characters, I'm insistent on new characters just because I think we may have told all the stories we want to tell with the characters we have already. I think it's time for some new characters to take the stage that are more reflective of groups that are in need of representation now. No, I agree. Uh, So I want to keep those legacy characters in the background as the faculty, and I want to keep Magneto, and then I want a whole new cast of youngsters that I think would be really fun to see, and I would love to see what uh, some creators come up with, even though I don't have specific ideas. But definitely at least one person should have um, some kind of firepower, because we just just like seeing fire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely somebody who shoots fireballs for sure. You need For it. sure, no, dude. I love that idea.
1: So that's my very, very general pitch. That's what I would like. I would love to watch an X Men TV show that is something like that.
0: So, so I love that. I, I love that idea. And funny enough, I've, I feel like you and I are once again on the same on the same train here, uh, going to the same place, uh, just sitting in different seats. Because um, my pitch, how about this? Ooh-hoo. Is uh, I'm pitching a a trilogy of films. Okay. And I want it to kind of mirror the x men and, and what you're saying with all of those things and 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 their place in society and all of that. So I want the the original the first movie. I want a true first class x men movie. Like okay. for real. Like a real x men first class with the first class. I like want like legit children legit. of adam
1: the first class.
0: Yes. So I want Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, Angel and um Iceman Cast them however you want. I don't have casting for any of them. They could be cast however they want. You can, doesn't matter. You know, you could change everything about the character. Just make sure their powers are what their powers are supposed to be. doesn't matter who's cast in which role. Professor X. And my whole general idea at the beginning is that Professor X and Magneto are still working together at the beginning of this. And their their team, which is the X-Men, goes out and they save lives and they do all this stuff. But for some reason, within this whole Marvel universe, no one has ever heard of the X-Men. And I think the what we what we find is that Xavier in his his mansion has built Cerebro with the help of Magneto, obviously, because the metal. Yeah. And he uses Cerebro, like he does in the comic books, to locate mutants and bring them in to safety because he's afraid he and Magneto are both afraid of what humanity will do if they find out that people can be born with these mutations and that they can be, quote unquote, dangerous. And I think that I'm going to paint the X-Men originally as an underground kind of refugee movement where
1: nice, yeah.
0: Xavier is actually using his powers to erase the, belief, erase the existence of the X-Men out of regular people's minds so that he's harboring these teenagers or these people so that they don't come at risk. So they're not put in risk. So it's almost like a a pure ultimate protection and Magneto.
1: This is uh, is like memory alteration. Yes.
0: Yeah. Like a memory alteration. It's a little sinister, but you know, we can play with it. I got it. So it's done to protect these people uh, from what humanity would possibly do to them. And I think at some point in this first movie, he and Magneto have clearly had this uh, argument millions of times about you know, we should not be ashamed of who we are. We should not be ashamed of our powers. We should not be hidden. And I think at some point Magneto says, We're done. We're breaking out. And they show, they go out in public and they show out who they are. And it gets to the point where too many people see it to the point where they can't turn a blind eye to it anymore. And Professor X can't use any of his powers to kind of shut it out of the brains. And that's when we start to get the human movement and the pushback. And Magneto, like like in your pitch, Magneto and the Brotherhood, which he forms with, you know, your various brother, your original Brotherhood type characters, you know. Like, the Blob. Obviously, yeah. So it's Magneto and the Blob and Mystique and Toad and Pyro and Juggernaut. But well, right? what
1: about Avalanche?
0: No. <laughs> no, Avalanche okay. can stay home. Avalanche Not can it. stay home. I understand. So Magneto forms the original Brotherhood and he starts... Kind of doing what you're saying that they were going to do and start kind of fighting back against this, against this friends of humanity. I too wanted to use the friends of humanity. And it also works that Graydon Creed is Sabertooth's son or father. I think he's his son. And he's okay. not a mutant and his father is a mutant. So you even get to start to see the, the beginnings of that. So the X-Men not only have to fight the Brotherhood off and protect humanity, they also have to deal with humanity that hates them. And I think that's the strongest, one of the strongest stories of the X-Men is that Cyclops is, is a person as a kid. He's a kid, right? And obviously he's not a child, but he's not old, right? These, they're still maybe late teens, early 20s. He has to protect people that actively want to kill him or wish that he was dead and it's a it's a it's a terrible it's a it's a complicated conflicted story and cyclops leads these x-men into some big fight with the brotherhood that you know whatever but at that point xavier does realize that you know what no humanity does need to know about who we are and they do need to understand that and people then start to remember being saved by a mutant at some point, or they remember, Oh yeah, my cousin was a mutant or something like that. As their memories start to come back and you realize that they've been there the whole time. And this is kind of their way of saying, we're here and let's fight. You know, we're, we're going to protect you guys, but at the same point, you know, treat us with respect. And obviously humanity has the inverse reaction and they want to get rid of them. And like you, uh, the friends of humanity, influence the government and at the end of the first movie you start to see rumblings of the sentinel program oh great yeah we bring in bolivar trask we bring in henry henry gyrick it's
1: it's really their best story in some ways yes it's because the iconography of the sentinel is just undeniable you know
0: exactly and i love the sentinels and at the end the first movie i'm flat out calling you said it earlier but i'm calling it children of the atom Yep. Great. And that's what I'm going to call the first movie. And the second movie is when we bring in Storm. We bring in the second movie is called
1: The Crimes of Grindelwald.
0: Yes. The Crimes of Grindelwald part five. And then the second movie we bring in Storm. We bring in Colossus. We bring in Nightcrawler. We bring in Archangel
1: with the Claremont characters. We're
0: bringing in the Giant Size X-Men. My second right. movie is going to be called Giant Size X-Men. <laughs> really? and then, okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> and the name of that movie in that movie is essentially about this new X-Men team because people now are going to Xavier's school because they've realized that they have these abilities and they have these powers and they want to learn how to use them, how to control them and be part of this brilliant and wonderful mutant community. So they join Professor Xavier and his school. And the second movie is all about the X-Men versus the Sentinels and the Sentinel program. And they see you know, some prominent X-Men get hurt or get killed. And this is when you bring in Wolverine. This is where you bring in Wolverine to finally show up. But like you said, he's kind of just shows up to fight the fight and that's about it. Right. And I think at some point, Magneto's response to the Sentinel program is to take control of the Sentinels with his mag- magnetic powers and kind of use them to try to destroy some sort of government agency, could be even Congress, and the X-Men actually have to fight Magneto and the Sentinels at the same time.
1: I love Magneto versus Congress. Sounds like a great
0: fight. Oh my God, he'd win if uh, if no one else had powers. I'd vote for him. Yeah, exactly. And then you get into a third movie where I think at that point, we've defeated the Sentinels. We've we've defeated you know the Brotherhood. They've had their thing. And then we move into a third movie where we want to start introducing the newer mutants. And whether we want to call this X Force or the new mutants, I know New Mutants was already a movie, but we can call it New Mutants. We can call it X Force. We can call it any of those things. But I want something to eventually build until we start bringing in newer characters in the second movie. And in the third movie, I would love to get to a point where I want to have the, the Magneto family established finally and i would love to eventually build to some sort of house of m style event we obviously know scarlet witch is going to be super powerful we obviously know that magneto is amazing and he's going to be used at some point but i want to build that family i want to build that quote-unquote royal family of of mutants and i i do really want to image from house of m is just so
1: good yeah Yeah,
0: with magneto and like his his like king's outfit and and you know all that so you know, my third movie's a little shaky. It's not fully formed, but I would love to get to like House of M at some point to where it's the mutants are fighting each other because they're all trying to figure out how to work within this world. And there's two very different conflicting ways to deal with it. And I think I don't think there's a no more mutants moment with Scarlet Witch. But I think there might be some sort of big moment at the end where Scarlet Witch either creates more mutants or or does something there. But I definitely want to build to some sort of giant Scarlet Witch conflict in this trilogy. Okay.
1: I, I think that's great. I mean, so, it's uh, it's it's very loyal to a lot of the ideas from the original storylines, which I think is great.
0: So. That's what I really want because the X-Men movies haven't done that.
1: Yeah, they've always tried to kind of just do their own thing, right? And also,
0: yeah. yeah. And also my Sentinels are how they look in the comic books or in the cartoon. Purple toasters, right? Big yeah. purple robots, because yeah. that's what everyone wants to see. I liked to a degree what they did with them in, in Days of Future Past, but I do feel like they still didn't look quite like the Sentinels. Right.
1: They're, they're almost kind of apologizing for what Sentinels really look like. And I'm like, you give us the fucking Sentinels.
0: Mm-hmm. You give
1: it to us. Make them and purple now.
0: I, I want master mold. I want all that nonsense in there. But like I said, I have no casting because I think, you know, open door, you know, cast it however you want. And uh, I think I think at that point it's, you know, yeah, definitely do some unique and original things. We've like I said, there's been 13 X-Men movies. It's time to you can shake it up a lot if you really want to.
1: Absolutely. I think that's great. I think, uh, yeah, I I would watch the hell out of those movies. It's just it's so funny that we're so far along in uh, the comic book takeover of the movie industry, and we really haven't gotten Good X Men (laughs) movies, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: like not like there's there's no consistency, you know. There's a couple of very 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 good X Men movies, and the rest of them are kind of like meh or less than that.
1: Right? Yeah. There's been no MCUification of the X Men as yet, and I mean,
0: obviously, I think we're gonna get that pretty soon, but
1: but we've not seen the the MCU version. I want to see what the Kevin Feige X Men looks like
0: they'll pick the right actors for the roles they'll pick the right no directors doubt. and they'll yeah. do what they can do but we'll see we'll definitely get i think we're going to probably see a little bit more once we see doctor strange in the multiverse of madness so we'll see how that goes
1: right well the totally bizarre thing and it's that movie's coming out in 2 seconds the totally bizarre thing is that it's now confirmed that patrick stewart is in that movie as professor xavier and it's like what does that mean for us you know I, is he just like a slice from the former film universe is he coming forward into this universe Is that how we get mutants like it's just I have so many questions
0: I know and hopefully we had we get some answers but not too many because the mystery is still good
1: well that's the problem too It's just like mutants are such a huge thing to introduce into this film universe and my fear is that introducing it in Doctor Strange is going to be like a weird jumping in point for a lot of people yeah like if suddenly like we have an X-Men movie and people are like how is this possible and they're like Oh you didn't see Doctor Strange 2? Like that's a weird that's a weird spot, you know. Yeah,
0: I feel like Doctor Strange 2 is less of an less of an introduction to mutants and more of an introduction to the Illuminati.
1: Uh, so, right, that
0: seems to be the case. Yeah, it seems to be the case, but we'll see how it pans out. Hopefully it's good.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think they're doing it s- smartly. It seems like their Illuminati is basically going to be they are the guardians of the secrets of the multiverse, right? Yep. They're the ones keeping this in balance and making sure that the worlds don't collide lest there be catastrophe. But you you almost kind of want the origin of mutants to be much simpler than that. Yeah. Because if mutant, if, if they make, in other words, Mike, if they make mutants, that mutants are basically just like, oh, they're these beings from another reality. That doesn't feel right to me. That doesn't feel like mutants. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, the the, the mutants need to be in the universe already it needs to
1: be, needs to be biological yeah, yeah you know?
0: it does yeah. and i agree fully and i think that's that's why my, that's why what you were saying about the x-men it makes them so special is that they are cemented in the universe already so we'll see what they do uh i don't really know but hopefully yeah. it's good that's all i care about
1: I, I agree i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to more x-men stuff it's obviously a hot property right now and i'm sure every day of kevin feige's life right now is is like well, how how the fuck do i get the x-men in these movies or yep. in these shows And there's something so elementally good about these characters. That's why I know that we'll have more episodes about the X-Men because it's like, we all have the Superman formula for heroes where it's like, wow, you're a superhero and everyone loves you, right? And we also have the Spider-Man formula, which is just like, you're a superhero and everyone loves you, but it's really difficult. The X-Men go one step further where it's just like, wow, you're a superhero. It's really difficult.
0: And when everyone hates you. Everyone hates you. Like, that's a really compelling and
1: sad story, and you are so on board with them for that. They are the ultimate misfits in comics, and I just want to see them honored in the same way we've gotten these other characters to be honored.
0: You're 100% right, and they have to get that in there. They have to yeah. get that aspect of what makes them great. So, Jordan, thank you once again, man, for an yeah, awesome pitch. And Likewise. we will see you all next week with something else that we haven't talked about, but... For the master of magnetism. Jordan Hugh, thank you so much.
1: Are you Dazzler? Can you be can you be Dazzler?
0: Uh, you better believe it, baby.
1: The dazzling, sparkly man with the beautiful hair. And that's the dazzling right. voice. That's
0: cool. Real. That's really nice. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. go get, I'm gonna go better get some. Better
1: casting than T-Swift.
0: Oh boy. I'm gonna get some uh, I'm gonna get some roller skates. So oh, yeah. We'll see you all later. If you do right.
1: Dazzler, she better have some roller skates.
0: I want 70s disco dazzler with roller skates, or Absolutely. don't make the movie. Or give me death. Yeah, that's right. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much. We'll see you next time. And there you have it. How about this, listeners? This was our episode about the X-Men. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you got mutant powers from this episode. And we hope you continue to listen. If you want to help us out, feel free to like, subscribe, give us a comment, share it with your friends, share it us on social media. Let everyone know just about how much you like the How About This podcast. And we will be back soon. We're going to follow a more erratic kind of scheduling, kind of posting with this show moving forward. Jordan and I are hard at work on yet another project that will be coming your way later this year, and we still want to do How About This. We just need to uh, prioritize the other project as we get into the pre-production side of things on that end. So we'll talk to you real soon, and we got some great episodes coming up for you. So once again, thank you for listening to How About This.